Live from New York, it's Ask This Engineer. Hey everybody, welcome to Ask The Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada. With me is Mr. Lady Ada on camera control. We got a jam-packed show with all the newest news, newest products, newest videos, newest guides. New, new, new. It's all here. It's all live. It's all on Ask The Engineer. I'm going to kick off this show with... Uh, I should probably tell everybody what's on what's the show. What's on the next show? Yeah, what's on tonight's show? Yeah, on tonight's Vote. show, yeah, besides voting, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, we are shipping smart and safe. Our team is PPD'd up, masks, gloves, distancing, ventilation. We swab the place looking for COVID once a month. We publish our safety protocols. That is why we've been able to ship thousands and thousands of orders every single week. Our team thanks you. These are pre-COVID photos. And please support us, an open source hardware company in New York City Doing trying to survive this insanity. So... Lady is going to talk about who was on the show and tell, what they shared, and more. Got a little bit of JP Workshop, some previews, some Make Code Minute. We are going to do some time travel. We're going to look at some Python on hardware. We have some factory footage from Adafruit, some 3D printed stuff from Noah and Pedro. We have everyone's favorite segment, which is brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. It is I on NPI this week. Lady is going to talk about a new sensor from Bosch. We're going to do some new products. We got some top secret this week. We're going to answer your questions. We do that over on Discord because it's easier to deal with than five different chat rooms in five different places. Adafruit.it slash Discord. Go there. Join all 25,000 of us. And we get to the questions throughout the show, but mostly at the end. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. All right. So first off, let's just do some important stuff. In 13 days, a bunch of stuff's going to happen. You don't want to be left out. Something's yeah. going to happen. Something's going to happen. Whatever happens, don't you want to be part of it? You want to tell everybody, I was there and I did something. Maybe you already voted. Um, thanks. Maybe you're, you're um, going to do early voting. Whatever it is, do something this year. Um, we took some photos um, and uh, we sent this off to the New York City folks who asked. They said, hey, can you take some photos of you at a New York City manufacturing company and your team that's going to be voting? Because we do payday off for voting. That's something that we've been doing for years. We have a feeling. A lot of people are voting by mail. It's we, fine. We have people are some, voting early. Some of totally our team, cool. they're doing poll working stuff. 
Even the Adafruit lawyers that we work with, those lawyers are going to be observers at poll locations. That's great. So, like, we're getting everyone involved. There's been people in our community that signed up to be poll workers. Adafruit.com slash vote has all the resources. That's super important. The other thing super important is, um, you know... Um, you know, it feels good buying something. So yeah. Adabox is shipping. Especially something that you learn with. Adabox is shipping right now, and it's going to get to you by Halloween. We're going to cut off subscriptions in, like, next day or so. So if you haven't already, go to adabox.com, sign up for Adabox. It'll be shipping out. Um, don't look on Twitter. Some people are already saying what it is, blah, 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 because that's what people do on Twitter. Um, adabox.com. You will get it. We're shipping the last round out shortly. Um now, if you just want to buy stuff and get free stuff, that's okay. You can. We have free stuff. Lady Ada, what are the free things that people get when they buy stuff? I'm glad you asked. When you order $99 or more, you get a free Permaproto half-size breadboard. Great for soldering on your pro projects that you're working on over the fall and winter. Make them permanent on a Permaproto. Uh, $149 or more, you get a free... Uh, sorry. Backwards. A free uh, cutie pie, or sorry, a free stomach cutie board. Yeah, um, love cutie pies. We don't have cutie pies yet, but we'll we'll add them. But you this, want stemma? The stomach cutie boards. We have all sorts of sensors and breakouts and USB connectors and stuff. Um, oh, but wait, you yeah. want to you want to collect a lot of stemmas because soon we'll have stemma friend in the store. That's right. Hi, hi, your ice cream pal. I'm your ice cream pal. Hi. Uh, hello, hello. Hi, hi. Yep. <laughs> That's. That's what it's like here. Uh, $1.99 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. And at $2.99 or more, you get a free circuit playground. Uh, man, I keep getting this backwards. A free uh, circuit playground express or all-in-one uh, dev board that you can use with MakeCode, CircuitPython, Arduino, or various other languages and development systems. It's got all the sensors and buttons and LEDs built in, so it's a great way to uh, learn to code, learn to make, make something fun and crafty. You're going to be indoors. You might as well learn something with that time. Okay. Next up, people around the world are showing sharing their projects. This week we had a bunch of folks in, and we were able to get to all of them. It's every week, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Lady Ada, who's on the show and tell, and what they share? I'm glad you asked. We had Brent, who came by and talked about learn guides that he's working with. Uh, Colin showed us some e-ink under a microscope. Jepler uh, made a reverse Polish notation calculator with a short memory display. It's beautiful, and he wrote a guide for it, too, so he demoed that out. It's got... True decimal precision. NetPager's 3D Hangouts project this week was a 3D printed tombstone with like a diffuse NeoPixel acrylic and um, a Halloween M4 eyeball. It's a cool little like mini tombstone. Um, last week was a tombstone. This week's a tombstone. It's all it's just it's all tombstone month. Uh, we also had from DigiKey Kevin came by. Uh, he's worked on uh, some RGB matrix projects. He made a skull. Emoji, Memoji? I don't know. They're, what are they called? Memojis? Um, yeah, Apple has this thing where you can, you know, you, you point your phone at your face and it, and it sees you talking to it yeah. and then it makes a little avatar thing. Well, we show how you could take that and then use that as like a digital puppet for other things. Yeah, it's cool. So it's clever. Yeah, it made sprite sheets and so yeah. we got that going. Uh, so we put on with that. Michael Weinberg uh, came by and told us about the state of open source hardware. There's a new document. Uh, that he helped out with. Um, tell we're going to show that tonight. We're going to show it off later. Also, there's a new API for reading and writing data from the open source hardware um, database that we have 40% of all entries, which is great. Um, Michael uh, came by with a Feather STM32 satellite phone, uh, making his own phone uh, using a Rockblock modem and Twilio 
uh, that'll work anywhere in the world. It's going to add solar power and batteries, so it's like, you know, true post-apocalyptic, even though the apocalypse is different than I thought. Liz uh, is still working on the 3D-printed Frankenstein monster head, uh, added capacitive touch with a cutie pie. Uh, Carrie made cool DIY or pre-assembled LED voting pins that say, I voted, um, in both English and Spanish. They're available on her Tindy store. And Target um, uh, showed off an ESP32-S2 clip programmer, so you can just put those modules in, those castellated pad modules in, they program, um, and it has CircuitPython support too, so it's cool. Probably also available on uh, either CrossPlayer today, I don't know where, but uh, check it out, ESP32-S2 clip programmer. All right. Show and tell is part of our Adafruit Live series of shows. You are watching Ask an Engineer right now, 8 p.m., every Wednesday. Show and tell is 7.30, Every Wednesday, yes. Eastern times. Yes. And on a other note, we are starting to post some of our videos. We have a TikTok account for a long time. Yeah. TikTok. So go to TikTok and just uh, look for Adafruit. It's at Adafruit that we've had at Adafruit at TikTok, and uh, we toss videos on there. If you want to take your phone out right now, take it I'll out. give you a moment. Scan the code, and you can do things on TikTok. There is a uh, electronics community on there. There's a lot of things that were tagged Adafruit and like ESP32. So what we decided to do is like, hey, let's throw some content on there as well. A lot of people like to hang out there. So why not? Maybe we'll do a music video over there and more. It's not banned yet. So uh, we wanted to make sure that we had a presence inside the matrix to broadcast our pirate signal. Maybe instead of dance challenges, you should have soldering challenges. Yeah, all sorts of things. Um, every Sunday we do Desk of Lady Ada. Um, on Desk of Lady, on Desk of Lady Ada, we go over whatever you're working on, and we also have the great search for DigiKey. Where in the world is that part I need? The great search with DigiKey. And yes, we sing that song each time. Um, and then on Tuesdays, we do uh, what I think is the most innovative thing that U.S. e-commerce companies are gonna need to do or are doing. Yeah. So if you go to Amazon.com, once in a while you see this little light thing that turns on at the top and it says Amazon Live. And when mm. you click it, they'll probably serve up live videos from like brand partners and all that. And like, it's usually a lot of makeup stuff. Yeah. Um, but. Um, People love makeup reviews. Yeah. And, or it's like, you know, they bought Twitch. Like Amazon bought yeah, Twitch. Yeah, so yeah. I think they wanted to do like a live streaming component, like a very QVC style thing. But what we do every Tuesday is JP will broadcast live from a product page. The live video for a specific product um, is inside the product page, and we talk about that, and we have a discount only during the live show. This is really a big deal. So on Adafruit.com, we have a little live. I think it says live now. Yeah. And we also have a little what's new. We added that to our site. But every week we're doing this now. Um, we got the idea from a lot of Chinese e-commerce sites. So what they'll do is they'll actually change the prices. They'll go out and they'll say, hey, we had a... 10,000 people watching right now. What can what can you can you lower the price right now because we, if we get up to 10,000 people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so a, the, it's a live interactive QVC. Yeah, it makes our like, you know, um, Cyber Monday uh, you know, look silly. Yeah. Um, so anyways, so we got the idea. So we think we think this is a neat idea. And uh, every week on Ask an Engineer we show a highlight. So here's the highlight from JP's product pick of the week. Recap. This will tell you what the product pick of the week is. It's called the APDS9960, and it has proximity sensing, ambient light sensing, 
gesture sensing and color sensing for reflected light or ambient light. Uh, what I have happening here is something that you might find in a haunted house or an escape room where you learn some gestures that you have to do in front of a painting in order to open up a lock or a door or a lockbox. And like I said, it also does regular proximity sensing and it does ambient uh, light sensing. So there's a lot of different things that you can use this board for. And there it is, my product pick of the week, the APDS 9960. Okay, and then on Thursdays, JP Workshop is coming up, and I have two little videos that are previews. One is the uh, slug scoreboard, and the other one is a little skull thing. So I'm going to play one after the other, see you on the other side. And every week we have Make Code Minute with JP. If you have a Circuit Playground Express, just plug it in your computer, go to makecode.adafruit.com and do a bunch of block programming. You can also do things like JavaScript, and Python, and more. It is the easiest, best way to do, I think, coding with electronics really fast. It's, it's used for education, but uh, a lot of us use it when we have to get something done fast, and we also want to explore block it's coding. It's very powerful. It has multi-threading capability built in, which is really cool. You can cool. do arcade stuff with it yeah. and more. So take it away, I think this week, uh, JP is doing a micro bit project. What I wanted to show on the Make Code Minute today, I have a little micro bit here, and this is partly in uh, anticipation of the micro bit version two, which has been announced coming. So I want to, to play around with a micro bit V1. And what I wanted to show is that I just discovered there's a really neat feature of the display, this little LED display that's on here. You can use what they call grayscale mode. So levels of brightness instead of just on or off. So here's a simple example. If I tap this button on the right, you'll see each time I tap it, it's gonna brighten that LED up. I'm just using like five levels of brightness on here. And what I wanted to do is show you how that works inside of Make Code. On here, you'll see I've got a initial block in on start that says set the display mode to grayscale instead of the default of black and white. Once that's set, you have some choices in the LED categories under more for setting the overall brightness of the, of the display. That'll just change everything. Or you can plot the brightness of individual LEDs. So that's what I'm doing in the rest of the sketch here. When I press my B button, what I do is I clear the screen and then I plot a point at 2, 2 on X and Y to a, an LED brightness value. And then I'm just iterating through, uh, adding 50 to that each time and then looping it back over when it goes over 250 with this little uh, division here. The more complicated one here is uh, doing a few different loops. I've made a function that has a few different styles of sort of looping through some variables so that we can sweep across sideways and diagonally and all that fun stuff. Uh, but I think that's a really neat feature of the current V1 of the micro bit. Uh, right inside of make code, we can address those LEDs with different brightnesses. And that is your make code minute.
Alright, let's do some time traveling, uh, look around the world, makers, hackers, artists, engineers. I know a lot of you want to uh, just get in a time machine and go either to the past or the future, but we're stuck here in the present. Um, make your plans to vote, everybody. I said it at the top of the show, but um, it's coming up, 13 days. Get your voting plan, how you're going to get there, how you're going to get back, who you're going to help. Go with friends. All these things are important. Go Decide family. now because you have the opportunity. Um, next up in the news... Um, Google is now uh, 22 years old, so that means, congratulations Google, you are going to get an antitrust suit, uh, suit because uh, 22 years later after Microsoft was founded, they got an antitrust suit. And they're going to join the party. Now, Google, you get an antitrust suit. Yay! So Google has, um, I think, for the most part, uh, abused their um, monopoly. So that's, that's what happens. Monopolies are okay, it's just if you abuse it or not. So Google um, responded on Twitter, because that's what you do now. And they said, today's lawsuit by the Department of Justice is deeply flawed. People use Google because they choose to, not because they're forced to or because they can't find alternatives. We'll have a full statement in the morning. Okay, so here's the thing. You do not have a choice if you're running a business. You have to do stuff with Google. You really don't have a choice. You yeah. don't. You don't. Um, there's so many things that go into running a business that you have to use Google. Here's um, an example of something that is a choice. Like what phone provider? Like you have a phone with one carrier and I have yeah. a phone with a different one. And yeah, like, we have an emergency phone and they're not the same carrier. But even if it was the same carrier, what happens is eventually they say, well, you have a monopoly, you're abusing it. Like, so we can't get a different power company. We have Con Ed. Yeah. So if Con Ed does a terrible thing, they raise prices and they're just like, well, you can't have power. Or like now we're putting ads on your power. Yeah. Um, that, that's, an, that's, that's an illegal monopoly. So the, the, the problems that um, you know, companies come up against, so back in the day, people were worried that Microsoft would force everyone to use their search engine yeah. because they had the browser. Now everyone's worried that it's like, okay, Google just kind of dominates in the ad space. Now, um, in the past, I've talked to other CEOs at other companies and other people that have had problems. So Basecamp, Google markets against them on the search engine. Um, Yelp results. There, there's all sorts of things. We had our own run-ins with Google, not related to this, but eventually you kind of remember the same things. I remember the antitrust with Microsoft. A lot of the people said, you know, they're just being jerks at the time. Now, yeah. the antitrust stuff was helpful for Microsoft. They're a better company now. They have they lots are. of different divisions. They embraced open source. There's more innovation. There's more money. There's more opportunities for investors. Google would be an excellent company if it was like 20 different companies, not just Alphabet and this like thing, but they were separate businesses. I think they were trying, you know, they clearly were trying to try to make it so it's like, oh, well, no, Google is part of yeah. Alphabet and it's, they're not related, but they, yeah. you know, they basically, it's still so, Google. Nobody calls it Alphabet. So just related to this. So we're just Adafruit, small company compared to Google, yeah. but our interactions with Google on the ad side weren't great. So our ads one time, because we have to have Google ads, you have to have Google listings, you have to have Google yeah. shopping. Um, our ads, we did a really good series of ads, like super good ad campaign. They turned it off because it was performing too well. Yeah. But it gets worse than this. They never turned them off when the ads were not doing well. So no, it gets worse than this. So anytime you do any type of interactions with an ad campaign or Google ads because it's money involved, there's a log. Yeah. When you have to do anything, of course it's a log. Every time I touch the ads thing, there's a log. Who, what, and when, where, and how much did you spend? So it was puzzling to us because our ads got turned off. No violations, no anything. So it got escalated up to lots of different people at Google. Eventually they said, oh yeah, a human did it. Human intervention, sorry, uh, won't happen again. I said, great, well, can I see the logs? Because like, I need to know if you did this a bunch of times. No, yeah. <laughs> no, can't show them to you, don't really have them, don't have a policy. And eventually, because it was kind of a big deal what they did, um, and that's when I reached out to other companies that had like unfair practices with Google Ads. 
And they said, oh, yeah, it sucks. Like, this, all, this happens all the time, but, but they're so powerful, you can't do anything about it. So eventually they gave us a credit for that amount of time when they turned off our ads. And they would never, because they were performing too well, because they don't want your return on ad spend to be better than what they would like. Yeah. So anyways, they just wrote some good copy, and it was nice, nice images. Um, other things that happened with Google, um, they wouldn't accept your identity a bunch of times for when Google had a social network and that turned off show and tell and it turned off like our Google phone. No, it's just everything. Everything's connected to yeah. Google. Um, there's a, it's a really hard to find alternatives. Like social, the social media profile should totally control your Yeah, to control, life, right? yeah it controlled everything. Yeah. Um, another thing that came up, there was a Google employee that impersonated Lamore to apply for a job at Google and it, you got the return email that said, thanks for applying. And we're like, what's going on? Are yeah, we hacked or something like that? So eventually that bubbled up to Google's lead counsel, Amy, Amy Lambert. And the whole vibe was, you should be happy someone wanted you to work here. And we're like, what's a data retention policy for the fake resume the Google employee made to try to uh, say that they hit the like female engineer quota or whatever? They're like, we don't have a data retention policy. We don't, we don't have a database of this stuff. I'm like, you're Google. Um, other stuff that came up with Google that we weren't happy about, um, YouTube told us be more like PewDiePie um, because nobody wants to see STEM videos, you should do makeup videos. And just like other odds and ends, so I actually get why, like, eventually, this reminds me of Microsoft because they were just like really aggressive bullies and it was like back in the day with like, if you don't put our operating system on this, on your computers, you know, you're not going to be able to ship them to CompUSA anymore, Dell, like all sorts of like abuse of position, abuse of power. So we'll see. Anyways, it's big news. I personally would like to see companies not get a billion in funding and go bust like Quibi that happened today. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see um, you know bite-sized entities with a chance to compete and not have one company control all of it with absolutely everything. Um, at some point, I think at 22 years, that might be like, hey, like let's make a bunch of different companies and let's have those all grow versus one giant company that controls it all. Because what happens? They abuse it. So yeah. we'll see what happens. Um, in the end, um, Google will get a tiny fine and nothing's going to change. Okay, next up. Um, other bits of time travel is um, our Python on Hardware newsletter. So this week on Python on Hardware, the beta CircuitPython 6, RC candidate zero, right? RC0 is coming out, and we're about to do RC1 soon. Um, Lots yeah. of uh, improvements that are being made, bugs being squished. Um, if you have a bug, post up an issue in the GitHub repo because we're, we're definitely looking to squish yeah. any remaining bugs. We, you know, whenever we introduce new features, new capabilities, you know, there's there's a stray null pointer here and there. But we're going we're gonna to squish we, them. We need you to break things. So we can get 6.0 to be stable. Yeah. Um, in the newsletter, you should go to daily.com in the newsletter this week. Um, we talked about the release candidate. There is a new microbit version two in Raspberry Pi compute module. That means Python. New hardware. On, new hardware. Uh, the microbit, and that means Blinka is going to be able to run on all the Circuit Python. Uh, sorry, the all the Blinka Circuit Python stuff is going to be able to run on the uh, Raspberry Pi modules. Um, last call for eight bucks shipping. Uh, why Python is a perfect language? Interesting article. And it goes over a lot of things that we've talked about. If you want to do machine learning, if you want to do vision stuff, if you want to do science, you want to do medicine, you want to do whatever you want to do, Python, batteries included language. Yeah. Um, this Friday, Scott has a deep dive. Um, we have some Adafruit updates, Hacktoberfest. Um, the survey results, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, we opted into um, the Hacktober. We're one of the, you have to opt in now, and we're opt in. So if you want to join in, uh, go to CircuitPython. Yeah. Under Adafruit. 
Um, we have some more updates and guides. Uh, a lot of folks are playing Among Us, the game, and someone did a really neat uh, panels that go along with that. You can see that project. Um, you can use the uh, EduBit with CircuitPython. Yay! Um, there's a lot of neat things that are going on with uh, like CircuitPython installing on other boards. You can install it on the Seed Studio shell. Um, and last up, some MicroPython, some release cycle graphics so you can see how... You can see Python 2.7 just like, we. You can see how Python has evolved over time. for 10 years. It's been going on for a while. But now we're, we're, we're yeah. done with that. And we have some previews that we're going to get to at the end of Ask an Engineer with some of our show and tells. We are up to 276 libraries. That is a whole bunch. And you can look at all the updates from the team, including yeah. Jippler's calculator. Projects, hardware, guys, tutorials. Everyone's yep. working on a little different part of the CircuitPython puzzle. Yep. And that team is effort. the newsletter for this week. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Open source hardware. We're an open source hardware company. It's open source hardware month. The survey results that we were just talking about was released. This is interesting. So have you ever used open source? I just pulled one bit of graphic here. And of course, if they took the survey, they did. So most people most. Who, who took the survey used open source hardware. And now, there's some people uh, who are going to get introduced to it. Now, the thing is, I, I did a little quick blog post and I tweeted, 40% of all of the certified open source hardware is from women. Yes. Because they came from Adafruit. That's so right. we're sort of we're a, and I'm a women's we're a minority woman owned enterprise. We got certified with New York City. We're very proud of this, but in the electronics community and the industry that we're in, this is really rare. So to be able to say forty percent of all the certified open source hardware that means files, that means code, that means a good license, that means other people can do stuff with it. Yes, comes from a woman owned company, and I get to say forty percent because there's other there's there's other women the that have, have yeah, certified yeah, yeah. hardware. Um, I think that's a big deal that no one's going to ever talk about because if you think about it, at one point, like, most doctors are male. Now, most are female. Most are female. Men, most men are go to college. Now, mostly women. So eventually, this is not going to be news. It'll be like, oh, yeah, of course, like, whatever. Like, it's probably going to be 50-50 or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So we think this is neat. It's cool. And there's a lot of things that the Open Source Hardware Association has been doing. The thing that came out today is the Open Source Hardware Weather, weather Report. And I wanted to show this off quickly. Yeah. Um, you can go to ashwa.org. And uh, this is the report. It's by Clarissa Redrine and Michael Weinberg and a whole bunch of people. Um, I helped up with it a little bit. You did too. And it's basically a bunch of things that you probably always want to know. Terminology, brief background, using it as a tool, hardware, not software. Does it make sense to do open source hardware? I can finally send this to someone because it doesn't make sense for everybody because some folks think, well, if I do it, I'm just giving everything away. No. If you do commercial hardware, someone's going to copy it. So don't, don't think that open source hardware is just a marketing term and also don't think everyone's going to copy it and also don't think that um, you're not going to be successful because of it. Um, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, and I think this document is like the first time I've seen a lot of things covered in, in one spot. Uh, when does it not make sense to open source hardware? Are there unresolved challenges in the open source hardware community? Opportunities for open hardware? Conclusion appendix and more. Um, this is the best, most comprehensive and open source hardware document I've ever seen. 
Um, I know what type of work that goes into this. This was a huge amount of work. It's on GitHub. There's a wiki. You can do pull requests. Um, this is a neat framework that I think they'll carry forward. Um, it is really good. Congratulations, everyone on the team that worked on this. Um, go team. Now, uh, there's another piece of hey, it. Wait, that, look. Well, there's another piece of it. At the end, there's an appendix. Yeah. Top open source hardware certifications by country. Oh, who's number one? Who's number one? Who's number well, one? Well, let's do it by country first. Okay, country. By country, the, the U.S. is... USA. The U.S. USA. is number one in all sorts of things. Yay. Like, like infections no. right now. Uh, we're, we're number one in all sorts of things. But here's something good we're number one at. Uh, open source hardware. Yay. Um, and for entities, number one, by a huge margin... Adafruit. So, we, so there's more certifications now, but we're about... This is we open source certify yeah, everything. Yeah, we're about 39% of the certified open source hardware right now. Well, I'm going to get more boards out. We did this um, over the the COVID time. We had some cycles for some of our team. Yeah. And we said, hey, like we have to deal with keeping our team safe. And can you just start working on the certifications? Because we got... You know, some people were nice, but there was a couple like really mean people. They're like, you're not really open source because you didn't get anything certified. And we did have like three or four things certified. We were just busy making the hardware. Yeah. And I'm just like, hey, like, don't be a jerk, but like, we're going to get to it. Um, so now we're like the tops. And then so today, today I got um, a message that said, obviously, this is inaccurate because there's so many Adafruits things in it. Yeah. So that's how it goes. Um, so uh, obviously, it can't, it can't be that much. So anyhow, uh, so check it out. Um, but speaking of, um, the one way we like to prove we're an open source hardware company is we like to do guides. We have 2,324. Lady Ada was on the big board this week. I'm glad you asked. We had somebody actually have to school. Okay. Um, we have, uh, I think last week we did the LED neon selfie spot, and Carter did the face mask FC testing with science guide, which is pretty cool. Uh, he took a really powerful laser and used a Raspberry Pi and some basic machine vision uh, to test out masks. It, it, I just thought, like, you know, there's people who are probably going to be doing science projects at home, and this is a, it's a good one. Just be careful with that laser. Can you do a guide on using the Adafruit Cutie Pie with CircuitPython and NeoPixel LEDs? Let's get started. A lot of people just want basic cosplay LED blinking stuff. Um, from, I think, uh, Deborah, also known as uh, Geek Mom, uh, we have a cool color mixing cutie pie cuff bracelet that uses a USB-C as like a cuff connector. It's a very fun, funky design. Um, check it out. She's got a lot of interesting crafting uh, techniques in there. Scrolling up. Um, from Brent, uh, we've got an Adafruit IO based IoT air quality sensor. Um, a lot of people are living in places now that are on fire. Uh, so you want to know your air quality um, using our weatherproof boxes and cable glands. You can now make um, an outdoor high quality uh, air quality sensor that you program yourself and uh, the data is local. If you use um, like other services like Purple Air, they're very cool, but you don't like own the data. It goes off into the cloud and it's closed source and there's no way to query the data, like to, to add data to it um, with your own sensors. Um, so this, uh, especially if you want to add extra sensors or sensing capabilities, and of course you can plot and graph it on Adafruit.io. Phil B did a guide on how to do gamma correction for RGB LED matrices. Um, this is really important because a lot of times uh, we've done projects with TFT displays. TFT displays have built-in gamma correction. It's part of like the configuration when you when you set up the TFT. RGB matrices, however, do not have built-in gamma correction. Now it would be great if we could get gamma correction to um, the, our LED matrix driver, 
uh, but we haven't quite gotten there yet. It's, it's not easy to do it right. So instead, what you should do is you should gamma correct your images. Uh, and there's two scripts that uh, Phil B shows you how to use. One that uses image magic, um, which is the basis of pretty much every project eventually. Image magic is just like a key important part. Um, it's, like the, it's like the Emacs of electronic projects. And then also a Python script. So you can do bitmaps and GIFs and JPEGs and stuff. Get them into the right format so that you can display them on a uh, RG matrix and they look really good. Um, Nan Pedro did a Halloween M4-based tombstone with an LED eye and some LED diffusion. I'll show the video shortly. Um, Melissa wrote a guide on how to create custom projects with a matrix portal and CircuitPython. We have a bunch of guides. Maybe you want to make your own. You have a data source. You want to scroll it. You want to show it on a matrix uh, using the built-in Wi-Fi. Well, we have a library that helps you do that called the Matrix Portal Library. But how do you use it and what can it do? Well, in addition to looking at all the examples, uh, Melissa wrote a lovely guide that takes you step-by-step -step on how um, the quote board project was um, developed and designed using the Matrix Portal Library. So, uh, and, and Brent says, it's awesome. So thanks, Brent. Uh, JP did a Matrix Portal scoreboard project using Adafruit IO. So you can use your phone to um, set the score and then um, you're gonna have a big LED matrix display mounted somewhere um, and the score will update automatically through the magic of the internets. Um, Jeff Epler used a short memory display to create a custom RPN um, desktop calculator. Uh, what's neat about this is that he wrote a um, true decimal number management library so you're not using floating points, you're actually using like infinite precision numbers. So when you add like you know, multiple decimals together, you get like the actual number, not like a somewhat rounded number based on whether there's a true floating point. Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes you add them, you get error offsets and you don't quite get like, like 0.1 plus 0.1 is like 0.1.99999. You don't get that, you actually get like 0.2. So it's very handy, especially for people who are doing other like calculator or mathematics projects and they want um, perfect precision. Uh, it's also just a great like calculator project you want to build and uses the new sharp memory display in CircuitPython. Aaron made uh, a matrix portal RGB display. So if you made one of these previous RGB matrix projects and you want to put it into your bag, like you want to make this cool voting animation sign, um, she shows you how to do that, how to craft, like use any bag you have, uh, tips and techniques to keep your LED matrix safe, but yeah. visible. You have a one minute video we'll play after Oh, this. we'll have a video, that's right. And then uh, Melissa, uh, two guides in a week also wrote um, how to use Google Assistant with a BrainCraft hat. So we're doing more machine learning projects. In fact, we have a demo we'll show later with the voice bonnet using the same code from this library. So you can make your own DIY um, voice assistant using Google, it's free. Yeah. You just need something that has microphones and a speaker like the voice, hat, voice bonnet or the BrainCraft hat. Yeah, we'll show this off soon. This is probably gonna be one of the um, big holiday gifts because there's no easy way to do machine learning and I think we cracked it. Uh, we've been working on this for a year and uh, it's shipping now. So uh, we'll get to that later on during new products. Uh, let's take a look at what Aaron's cool. up to. All right, Aaron, take it away.
some main New York City factory footage. There's a bunch of art that um, is around everywhere on the streets. So we take photos of it as we're walking around. Um, this is some Giuliani art that went up. This is before we knew about the whole Borat thing today, by the way. Um, and then this is just taping up some stuff, getting ready. Making the kits. Here's some boxing up of things. Ooh, a nice kidding table. Yeah. Nice we built table. it. It's, we built it. It's custom, designed for making kits. This is the um, the PCB. Uh, yeah, these are the inserts. So the these, inserts. These are the things that protect the PCBs because they come scored, and you want to make sure they don't crack in shipment. And so on the front and back, there's these like particle board pieces, and these are the back pieces for the drills. So this is also, you know, as you can see, like this was used for um, some via drills or some through-hole drills, and then after they're done, they recycle them. Um, the PCB house does, but they just, they're just kind of cool, like found art. Here's some boards coming this out. This is, looks like DRV8871 driver boards. Very popular, high powered DC driver chip. City factory footage without the view from outside our window. This is uh, the Disney building across the street. It's actually a giant underground vault where they're going to put all the gold that everyone's giving them because everyone signed up for Disney Plus to watch The Mandalorian. So they have to make a secret underground vault. That's what they're building across the street. Okay, 3D printing. I get it. Like your, your theory is going to expand. <laughs> they, look, they've been... You saw... DuckTales and Scrooge McDuck swimming through a gold vault. They are telling everyone what they're doing. When Scrooge McDuck says he's going to do something, believe him. <laughs> uh, anyways. Right, time for 3D printing. Yeah, so we have two videos. We're going to play them back to back. This is the Halloween, and then we have a speed up. Okay. Hey, what's up folks? In this project, we're making a tombstone with Adafruit's Halloween M4. This Halloween, we wanted to make a light-up tombstone with NeoPixels and an animated eye. The Halloween M4 is packed with tons of sensors and features that crispy IPS display. The pumpkin spice-flavored silk is sure to make your Halloween projects extra this year. We designed and 3D printed these parts to make a tombstone that snap fits together. It's got a Victorian style aesthetic, so it has some floral elements and some nice details. Black LED acrylic is used to make the faceplate with vinyl graphics added on top. This makes a light up sign that you could customize with your own message or some spooky graphics. The Halloween M4 project was written by Philip Burgess and it uses Adafruit's libraries for Arduino. Be sure to follow the build from source page to properly upload the code to your Halloween M4. The user NeoPixel file allows you to enable NeoPixel animations. This lets you run the rainbow cycle while animating the eye on the display. Check out the other examples for adding cap touch, server control, and even heat sensing. You'll want to select your board profile and use the tiny USB option. You can get the code for this project from the GitHub repo linked in the learn guide.
We 3D printed the parts without any support material using PLA filament. You can use the port on the side of the hollow wing to easily plug in a strip of NeoPixels. This can be a solder-free project, which is nice if you want to get your projects quickly up and running. The Hollowing M4 is secured to the faceplate using some machine screws. We made some decals on our vinyl cutter and added them to this piece of black LED acrylic. We found the black LED acrylic lights up the best when it's positioned away from a light source. We attached the strip of NeoPixels to the back cover using double-sided Nitto tape. The back cover snap fits into the frame of the tombstone, which makes this an easy assembly. I hope this inspires you to pick up a Halloween M4 and make some cool projects. Thanks so much for watching and don't forget to subscribe for more projects from Adafruit. And don't forget, every single Wednesday, 3D Hangouts with Gnome Pedro, the longest-running 3D printing program out there. They're up to episode, like, 304 now. All right, Lady Ada. Well, uh, it is time. Are you ready? Yes. DigiKey and Adafruit present... This week's Ion MPI is from Bosch. That's right. Bosch, we're, we're on a little bit of a sensor streak. A lot of cool sensors just came out. Uh, so this week we're going to be featuring a Bosch sensor. This is the BMP390, which is the latest in a long generational stretch of barometric pressure sensors from Bosch. Um, so the BMP390 is very small. It's 2 millimeter by 2 millimeter. It does temperature and barometric pressure. Uh, it is pin compatible with the BMP388. So if you uh, if you like the BMP38, you're 388, you're gonna love the 390. Um, so the thing that's new about the BMP390 is uh, it kind of it improves on the accuracy and precision of the earlier BMP sensor. So like, you know, basically every time, every year or so, there's a new generation of BMP sensor. Um, and each time they get a little bit better at having a more uh, precise or more accurate uh, barometric pressure reading. So, for example, um, you know, I don't know, man, this must have been like seven, eight, nine years ago. Uh, the BMP 085 came out and um, that was a I squared C barometric pressure sensor that could do, I think it was plus or minus a couple meters. Um, then the uh, BMP 180, 
Um, this one uh, improved. You can see that it got a little bit smaller, uh, and it, I think it had like you know a meter or so um, precision. Then the uh, BMP 280, which is actually still quite popular. It's almost one of our most popular barometric pressure sensors. Um, and this one, again, it has slightly better um, accuracy. And then about a year ago um, was the BMP 388, which is like the last generation. And uh, one of the nice things that they added in the last couple of generations is it, um, both I2C and SPI interface. So barometric pressure sensors, what are they good for? Um, well, they're good for a couple things, um, especially the ones that are very uh, high accuracy or precision. Um, so one thing that's really nice about them is you can use them indoor for positioning. Um, you know, it's very hard to get GPS data indoors, but if all you need to know is how high something is, like, you know, how far it is off the ground, uh, barometric pressure sensors, you know, you don't need to have any satellites. They just use barometric pressure to do it. Um, you can pair them up with a GPS. A GPS will give you latitude and longitude, but only within like a couple meters. Um, by adding a precision barometric pressure sensor, you can uh, greatly improve the altitude uh, calculation. Um, uh, oh, sorry, go, go back. Um, for um, accurate fitness tracking and calorie counting, so you know when they know how many steps you've taken, or like uh, you know if you're biking and they want your altitude, um, the higher altitude, the more you have to work, of course. And then, and again, more indoor navigation. Um, you know, you can use like time of flight stuff to determine how far you are from, or like you know RSSI readings to tell you how far you are from um, a base station. But then, um, using a barometric pressure sensor can give you altitude. So uh, how do you do the altitude calculation? Well, it's actually kind of a well-known um, you know, mathematical calculation. If you know the barometric pressure, well, actually, here's the deal. When you know the barometric pressure of two different altitudes, you can tell how far apart those two altitudes are. So like, you know, as I raise something up like 10 meters, I can measure the barometric pressure change and I can use it to calculate um, how much I moved up and down. If you know the um, barometric pressure at sea level, which is a, a commonly published piece of data you can get on any weather report, like today was like 1034 hectopascals. Uh, you can then use that to calculate um, the sensor's like absolute altitude, right? You have to have the reference altitude though. You can't just, um, you can't just always assume what the sea pressure um, is. So you do have to look that up. But you know, especially for uh, IoT devices that can get you know data from the internet, it's a it's a commonly available number. You get that number, and then you can calculate uh, the altitude. Um, another thing you can do with barometric pressure sensors is uh, do weather prediction calculation. Um, you may have seen one of these. Uh, you know, we had one of these in my home when I grew up. Now they're digital. These you know, of course, these barometric pressure sensors. But these uh, simple barometers would translate. Um, high and low pressure into, you know, the chance of rain or sun or, or clouds. You may also, uh, you know, watch or, um, the news or you look in the paper and you see like these maps, right? And they have like these L's and H's floating through the sky. No, not really. Um, what these show you is where there's high pressure, H and low pressure. And you can even see next to the pressure like 1009, that's low, or uh, 1029, that's high, that's in hectopascals uh, again. Um, low pressure means air is coming in, you're going to get clouds, you're going to get rain, you're going to get a storm. High pressure uh, means um, air is moving out, so you're going to have clear skies and uh, a sunny weather you're going to get in the winter, for example. Um, so the BMP 390, uh, thankfully Bosch has written a library uh, to interface with it. Uh, and we, over the weekend, we added it to our 
Arduino library. So um, if you would like to try out the BMP390, we have code uh, that's been upgraded to now use um, their new API v2, which you can also add into your um, devices. Uh, the, their library is a kind of a pure C library. You have to hook it into whatever does I squared C or SPI in your hardware. So you can use it with embed or Zephyr or Raspberry Pi or whatever. Um, but we have it already working for Arduino. Uh, we even had somebody who's already like, I just tried it and it works great. So um, I know it works. So I, I tested it and someone else tested it. So. All right. And you can get this on DigiKey, um, digikey.com. And the part numbers, uh, they're long. So you're going to want to use a short URL, ZN2PFN. But you can also just search for the sensor and you'll yes. be able to find it. Yeah, available on Ket Tape and Tape and Reel. I think this is the only place that has them uh, right now. I picked up, oh, sorry. I picked up a couple... Um, uh, earlier today, so I'm gonna make a, a breakout. I mean, they're pin compatible with the BMP388, so yeah. the code's a little bit different, but the, the pinout's the same. Uh, and so I put together a little demo. Yeah, do you wanna play the video, or do you wanna do the demo? How about we show the demo, and then the video, and then and we'll kick out. Okay, so here I've got, I've got just a feather, and I've got an OLED display, and I'm showing the temperature. I'm showing the barometric pressure, so you see it's a little low. Um, that's because it's kind of stormy today. So the barometric pressure in hectopascals and the estimated altitude. So before we did the show, I went upstairs. I looked at what is the air pressure at uh, sea level in New York City, and I entered it in. And so, yeah, it's telling us it's about, like, you know, 20 or so meters um, above sea level. And here's something cool. As I raise this up, you can actually see this number increase. Yeah. So you can actually measure within, you know, 25 centimeters is the um, published accuracy, sorry, the published precision of the, of the sensor. So you move it up, goes from 21 to 20, 22.01 or so. Um, so you can measure a couple centimeters. So great for drones, for example, where you need to do um, precision altitude calculations. All right, and they have a little video. It's about a minute and a half. Take it away, Bosch.
So that's the MPI for this week, and don't forget you can get that over on DigiKey, and that is this week's Ion MPI. Ion MPI. All right, we got a full show. We're just going to keep moving right along. Yes. Are you ready for some new products? Yes. All right, so we got some new products. Um, if you haven't already, get an Adabox because you'll get it. It's like the last day you can do you'll it. You'll get it like, you know, next week or so. So yeah. Adabox.com, easy way to remember. Just go there, sign up, get a subscription. Um, a lot of folks that were very nice and didn't say what it is. They just said they really like it. So Aww. very nice of them. And very Halloween thing. All right, so um, Raspberry Pi announced a bunch of stuff. These are all coming soon. Sign up. As soon as we get them, you get an email. And then you get them first. Yes. So that's the best thing to do is sign up. Okay. So the compute module, this is really neat because uh, for a while there's been Raspberry Pi compute modules that were SIM-based um, and they would like snap in. Um, now they're much like more like rectangular, squarish, and uh, they've been upgraded to the Raspberry Pi 4. So they're like super powerful and they have um, a bunch of different variants. Uh, sorry. So let's go here. Uh, so let's talk about the variants. So um, the core is going to be the same. You still get a Raspberry Pi 4 chip. The power supply and the pinout is the same. But you can get it with or without Wi-Fi. Um, it's like basically like five bucks more if you want the Wi-Fi edition. Um, and you can get it with a variable, a, a different range of RAM, starting from like one gigabyte up to eight gigabytes of RAM. And you can get it with or without EMCC. So it's onboard memory. So you don't need a separate SD card. Uh, EMCC is also um, pretty. EMMC is also uh, pretty fast. Um, I don't don't have speed checks, but I would guess it's faster than SD card. Um, you can get it in a range of like I think from eight up to like sixty four gigabytes or something. Um, right now we have the coming soon just for the light, which is the least expensive version. Um, it's kind of like the A plus, the Raspberry Pi A plus of the Pi four, uh, without Wi Fi and without MMC. Um, however, we will carry a wide range of them. We're basically seeing which ones we can get. So, you know, the ones that we put in the store are the ones that we can carry. Um, but it's neat. You know, there's even an external um, Wi-Fi connector option. There's a Wi-Fi switch. So you could use the internal um, onboard PCB antenna, or you can connect an external Wi-Fi antenna. Yeah, so here's some of the other... And this is the accessory board. So this is the I.O. board for the Raspberry Pi. So this is kind of like everything you could possibly do with it. So if you're like a developer, because a lot of people are buying these boards for industrial usage, although I think there's some maker projects that could benefit from it as well. Um, you can basically choose like how many HDMI ports, how many USB ports. Do you want Ethernet? Do you not want Ethernet? Do you want like, looks like there's a real time clock on there. Um, there's two M uh, MIPI connectors, two camera connectors. You can do like stereo vision. This is like pretty cool stuff. So this camera IO board, um, you know, you have like a Pi hat connector. Uh, this is everything you can add in. You can see that the two uh, Hiroshi connectors that you snap on. So it's a new form factor for the Raspberry Pi compute module, but I think it's a winner because there's a lot of pins and they're high speed. Um, so you'll be able to do, you know, like if you want to pass those HDMI connections over there, not a problem. MIPI, not a problem. CSI, not a problem. Um, high speed GPIO, also not a problem. So the cost, the size, I think this is going to be really popular. Um, I want to make some accessories for this too. I think this could be a great yeah. little add-on, like a, like a super hyper feather type thing. Uh, there's also a Wi-Fi antenna kit for, again, you don't need the Wi-Fi antenna um, for the uh, uh, compute module, but if you are putting it in an enclosure, especially a metal enclosure, you're going to want this antenna. 
because uh, first off, it's outside, it'll get you better range. Um, and also, it's a certified with this antenna and it's only like five bucks or so. And you get the UFL connector and the antenna. What a deal. Um, so then we have, uh, yeah, there's an image showing how the antenna connects and then um, this is the UFL. So you can see that little chip next to the UFL, that's the antenna switch. So it automatically detects when a UFL uh, Wi-Fi antenna is attached, it'll switch over, very handy. Um, this is the connector on the uh, module. Um, I'll find the part number, we'll post it up on the, the product page, but it's basically, I think like, looks like it's 80 pins and there's two of them. So um, they sit nice and flat. Also, it might be a little bit of the Portena, same sort of, sort of thing. So coming soon, sign up and we'll notify you as soon as we get them. It's, I don't know that they're gonna be a lot of them available before the end of the year, um, but uh, definitely in 2021, you'll be able to get bulk quantities of these. Okay, well, um, speaking of 2021, which we'll eventually get to, we're stuck in 2020. And That's that right. means for the holidays or for now, or just as a gift or buy it for yourself, we have PPE packs. So we have basic packs, we have uh, packs with even more. Yeah. So we have uh, this one. This comes with yeah, mask. Yeah, it comes with a face shield. It comes with the no touchy. It comes with a filtration mask. It comes with ear savers, which are really handy. It comes with disposal masks. It comes with a, um, a Fahrenheit thermometer. We also have ones with, like, fabric masks. Yeah. We have, like, basically three kits, and they're, like, 30 bucks, 50 bucks, and about yeah, 100 bucks. This one bucks. has more stuff in it. Yeah, it so you get one more, and you can share them with the family yeah. or just for yourself. So, you know, give the gift. Of not getting infected. Yay. All right, next up. Okay, next up. Uh, these are cool. So we've been carrying this material in, like, tape strips, um, and now we have it in sheets. Uh, some people emailed us and said, hey, can you carry this material in sheet format? And I said, yeah, sure. Uh, this is conductive uh, metallic nylon. Um, so you can't solder to it, but you can sew to it, and you can cut it very easily as well. So, for example, I've got here... Uh, Circuit Playground Express, and um, there's all these pads, and these are capacitive touch pads. And um, this is just a piece of the uh, material, and I, I made it into a heart, and then I just, it's a little Powerpuff Girl. Um, I taped it onto um, the uh, capacitive touch contact, and when I plug it in, when I touch, it basically acts as a gigantic capacitive touch pad. So um, it's great for you know, if you want to pass power or signal, um, great for capacitive touch as well because it's uh, the conductive glue on the bottom means that you can just like glue it onto the thing and then you just extend uh, the conductivity. Um, you don't have to use it with the paper backing off, but like, you know, you can move the paper backing and stick it onto something and it's, it's flexible. And compared to copper tape, it doesn't crack, which I really like. Yeah. And again, you can sew to it, you can cut to it. Um, Feels pretty good to the hand. It looks pretty cool. It's got like a silvery finish to it. You get uh, three packs of 10 centimeter by 10 centimeter. Okay, and uh, tonight we're gonna do something a little bit different. We have uh, a coming soon-ish and also two stars of show. So kind of three all together, because this is a big yeah. deal. This is the new Metro ESP32 S2 Express. Okay, this was coming soon a couple weeks ago, but it's now like coming sooner because it, we're actually, we made a bunch and yeah. now, now we're going through testing. Uh, we didn't get them in before the show because uh, I have to fix the tester, but uh, they're still uh, we photos, so you can check it out. ESP32 S2 Express Metro um, has the latest ESP chip on it. It's Wi-Fi capable, but it's also got native USB, so you can run CircuitPython or Arduino. It also has built-in uh, battery charging capability. 
You want to you zoom in? Okay, so close. So close. Right, back, up, back it up. Back it up. Okay, good. Um, it's got the Arduino Uno pinouts. Uh, it's got a LiPo battery input and battery charging circuitry. It's got a boot zero pin, a reset. USB-C, people are like, we want USB-C. Well, we're finally there. Uh, STEM IQT I2C connector. You can also use it with um, quick connect uh, sensors and devices. DC input and on-off switch so you can turn off the, the Wi-Fi chipset. Uh, optional debug port, um, both a UART debug and also a JTAG debug if you'd like that. A little NeoPixel on there, uh, SPI on the analog, and uh, GPIO pins that your heart can stomach, so your stomach and heart. So coming soon, sign up. Uh, we'll almost certainly have them later this week or next week. All right, we got some e-ink displays. Yeah, this is a new e-ink. This is a grayscale e-ink, which is cool. So shown here, this is a, a picture of Phil. This is a picture of Adabot. And um, what's interesting about this display is, um, yeah, it can do partial updates, but it can also do grayscale um, by kind of packing the display uh, lookup table. This is, you know, it's officially sanctioned way to do it. You can turn what is normally a monochrome display to uh, show uh, four layers four levels of uh, darkness. So like the white background color, the light gray, uh, dark gray, and then um, black. So you can also use it in monochrome mode, but the fact that it's grayscale, I think is pretty cool. And it's available as a feather wing. So uh, you just plug in any feather you like. It comes with three buttons. So that's kind of nice. You can make little user interfaces. Uh, has an SD card, has a reset button. It uh, has built-in SRAM, so uh, even if you're using something as simple as a Feather 32U4 or a Feather 328, you don't have enough RAM for the entire display, that's okay. The onboard SRAM acts as a buffer for you. Um, and uh, it's part of our Think Ink series. So this is a 2.9 inch uh, EPD display. It's about like 300 by 130 pixels. Um, and uh, guide coming soon, but uh, this is a pretty cool display, I like it. I like the grayscale. All right, and continuing on with the stars of the show, besides our community, besides you, Lady, besides our employees, besides our community is? The voice bonnet. So this is a um, new bonnet, kind of based off of our BrainCraft series. So we talked, showed you the, the BrainCraft hat and um, the voice uh, control project and like, you know, vision projects. Well, if you're only doing voice projects or you're just doing audio projects in general, uh, what's nice about this bonnet is it works with any Raspberry Pi with a 2x20 connector. It has a WM8960 codec, which has dual analog input, so you have a left mic and a right mic, and it's got stereo outputs. There's headphone stereo. Um, you can plug in line out or headphones if you don't want to have speakers. And uh, we also have two speaker ports. Each one is one watt. You can Put one speaker or two speakers, up to you. Stereo if you want, mono if you don't. And um, we added a couple extras as well. So um, on the very left, you see a button. So that uh, can be used, we'll show the demo, with um, voice control projects when you want to tell it to start listening or you want to like activate it. Um, to the right of that, there's an on-off switch. So that turns on and off the codec itself. So if you want to make sure that there's no way that the bonnet can be listening in on you. Like you, t you physically are turning off the microphones. Like there's no way for microphone to be listening to you. Um, use the off switch. So that's a new feature in a lot of um, voice control or voice assistant. We've been trying products. to get everyone to do it for 10 years and some companies are. Yeah, and we're, we are adding it as well, but we were first. 
Uh, there's also three dot star LEDs, so you can set them to various colors. That's a good way to have a basic visual feedback when you're doing audio projects, like if something's running or not. Um, you see there's the headphone jack, and then um, there's a stem IQT connector for connecting I2C sensors or devices. Uh, there's also one Stemma JST 3-pin connector on GPIO 12, so you can connect the servo or relay or NeoPixels. Um, all those work with uh, the voice bonnet as well. And so I thought I'd show a little demo that I put together. So this is uh, yeah. on a Pi 4. Yeah, let's zoom in so you can see the text on the screen. Too. Well, I have to show the, the LEDs, so yeah. I don't, don't want to hide. And this is, this is fine. You like that? Okay, yeah, I'll do that. This is fine. I can always put this over here. Um, so in this demo, I've taken the Google Voice Assistant, which is a free uh, Python program you can run on a Raspberry Pi, and it will basically act as a, as a Google Assistant. Um, but I've updated it to take advantage of all the cool hardware. Like, for example, um, it uses the OLED display to tell you uh, it's ready for a new request. Um, to work to, it also is red telling you, like, okay, it's, it's waiting for a new request. To make a new request, you have to press the button. Hey, Google, what time is it? And then it's now 7 p.m. Thank you. It'll print out what the uh, Google Assistant thinks you said, and then it'll speak the answer. Hey Google, what's the capital of Alaska? Juno is the capital of Alaska. Very good. See if it knows us. Okay. Hey Google, what's an Adafruit? According to Wikipedia, Adafruit Industries is an open source hardware company based in New York City. It was founded by Limmer Fried in 2005. The company designs, manufactures, and sells a number of electronics products, electronics components, tools, and accessories. Mostly true. That's pretty right. good job. So this just shows you, like, what's neat is not only am I writing the script, but it was really easy to update the Python code to use CircuitPython so I could have a display, to have buttons, um, to have these uh, RGB LEDs give you feedback. So I think for projects with voice recognition or audio playback where... You know, we have the really cool Pimeroni uh, Pirate Audio series that have display, um, but if you need a microphone input and um, if you don't need a display, I think this is an excellent um, add-on to any Raspberry Pi computer. Uh, you can use it from a zero up to a Pi 4 and beyond. Okay. Um Go ahead over to Discord. We'll start answering questions soon, but we're going to do top secret for a couple minutes, so you can start lining those up. Join us over there. From the vault, uh, let's start off. We're going to play uh, three videos in a row, and then we're going to look at two PCBs. So take it away past us. Okay, lady, what is this? This is a Metro ESP32-S2, and it's time to design a tester. I'm using a Raspberry Pi. The reason I like the Raspberry Pi is I can run ESP tool on it for really fast programming. And then I have the uh, Metro test itself. And then once it passes test, as you see, it loads Python on. It's going to ship with CircuitPython 6.0 release candidate zero. And then people can always, of course, upgrade uh, to the latest version as we do more versions of six. So it's Arduino Uno shaped, you can use shields, it's got an ESP32 S2 rover, so it's got PS RAM, DC power, USB-C, uh, optional debug port, STEM IQT connector, uh, and a LiPo battery port. All right, looks like it passed. We've got that rainbow swirl. That's how you know it's good to ship. More rainbows. Hey, I'm working on a new prototype. I just got these PCBs in. This is a 2.9 inch grayscale 
ink display and I've got uh, four NeoPixels. Well, I got a solder in the other three, but it's got NeoPixels up top that are like edgelets. You can like, you know, um, light up this display. It's got four buttons down here. And on the back, I've got a battery and battery charger, a Stemma QT port, a buzzer, USB-C, and it stars an ESP32 S2 uh, Wi-Fi module with full on circuit Python. And it's got PS RAM and all the goodies for Wi-Fi quickness. So I'm going to do a couple changes. I'm going to add a light sensor. You recommended the light sensor. Um, and I'm going to get this accelerometer working. And then we're going to have some fun Wi-Fi ink projects featuring CircuitPython. That's the magic. All right, Lady Ada, what is this? Hey, this is another demo for the e-ink portal that I've been working on. This one, it's running CircuitPython, actually, and getting the price of Bitcoin from Coinbase and also displaying the time. I got all four of the NeoPixels working and then these buttons also do stuff. And there's a piezo, you can hear the buzzer working. Uh, and this is the back. And uh, I got the battery, ESP32, S2, and then I put these um, magnet connectors on. These are like from um, RGB matrices. So then I can uh, attach it to pretty much anything you want that's magnetic or, uh, sorry, metallic um, that magnets will stick to. So very handy way to easily mount it and uh, battery power your e-ink display. All right, and then we have two things that we posted up. Yep, I got uh, some cutie pie boards, NPR 121 capacitive touch, so upgrading a current design to be plug and play. And uh, this is an ESP32S2 board that's in a Pi Zero form factor. So turns out you have the exact right number of pins. So that'd be kind of fun, especially since like you have two USB connections, one for native USB and one for debug. Um, could be interesting. All right, we're gonna go and answer some questions. I have some lined up right now. Yeah. Um, this one's a long one, so uh, but luckily I can respond to it fast. So uh, Carp DM uh, has an issue with the dot star ultra bar is not behaving as per the data sheet, and they posted up in the forums. And I looked at the forum post. Looks like you just posted at 6:47 p.m. as a follow-up. So just let our team take a look at it because you have a bunch of information there. So give them a chance to take a look at it. Um, and uh, if it doesn't work out, you can always return the product. Um, but let the engineers give them a chance to yeah to answer it. Um, next up. Question for the OLED displays. There's a warning not to run them over 1,000 hours or they'll start to dim. Is this uh, the total lifetime, cumulative hours, or just not continuously for long periods? That's Either the, way. That's the pixel itself. So each pixel should not be run for more than 1,000 hours. It'll dim. It's an organic okay. LED display. It'll, it will it'll eventually be less bright. And you'll notice it if, if you keep a display on for a very long period of time. All right. Uh, if you had to start a new format, not Metro, not Feather, not Cutie Pie of board, what would it not uh, what would you not include in it? Um, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, you just look at what you're trying to do with it and then build a couple projects and you'll you'll quickly learn what's essential yeah. and what isn't. I would say like QDPI, we, did we did not include headers because, you know, it's not a board that does that. It's not like a feather. That's, it's not going to have an accessory. Yeah. It's, it has a stem port. Well, it doesn't have a battery charger. Yeah. You know, if you want a battery charger, you should get a feather. Like, yeah. it's not, it doesn't do everything. Okay. Uh, next, uh, does Adafruit offer any or plan to read writer boards for the 125 kilohertz band for RFID? Nope, not or, this time. One that uses, or ones that use the EM4100 spec. This works with the Galaxy Edge Cyber Crystals, hoping to build my own holocron that reads cybers. 
I don't don't have one. I'm yeah. you know we do maybe uh, like three question. megahertz. How would you have survived COVID twenty twenty if uh, if it happened when Adafruit was much smaller? Um, it'd be a lot easier. Yeah, it's actually easier. It's yeah. a, it's it's tougher when you have a lot of people to manage and, yeah, if and it was, scheduling. It's, if it was it's smaller, it would be a lot easier. Like you know, Adafruit has we have one hundred and thirty people and we're paying them and there's healthcare and four hundred one ks and there's everything that makes it a good place to work. Um, when the cash stops coming in, um, you have tough choices that you might have to make. So it's really hard. The more people you have, the harder it is. And it's not like we, we don't have loans. We don't have venture capital. We're not uh, publicly held. Um, so it's every dollar is earned. So thank you for your orders. Um, next up, with the deprecation of 2G, I uh, need a LTE phone aboard. All my remote monitoring is dead. Helpful lady to your own hope. Um, so lots of things are changing with the 2G and 3G world. So just stay tuned. Yeah. There's nothing that's a good replacement yet. Some parts still have all these networks. Some parts of the world don't. Check out the particle board. I mean, I'm wearing the particle shirt, but they have LTE yeah. stuff, um, and they're really good at it. Okay. On the new Metro, what's the odd shape uh, hex pad that's not populated? Um, there's no hex pad. If you're talking about oh the the pad breakout that lets you measure the battery voltage. Oh, whoops, uh, skip one. When Adafruit first started, how did you afford inventory? You did not raise money or take loans, but inventory buildup is a lot of out of pocket. How do you uh, do it now? Uh, how do you do it now? Investing in inventory. Oh, so in the beginning, what you do? You didn't have very much. Yeah, so like we were making. You can watch the Ask an Engineers from like over ten years ago. It was like me at the shipping station, and Lamore was kidding. So what we did is every dollar we got, so we'd have a little bit of money, and we'd buy a little bit of parts. And then you do something with them and make them valuable or more valuable, and you ship them to people. And they give you money, and then you save that money, and then you use it to buy a little bit more stuff. Yeah. And then you just keep doing that. And we've been doing this for over a decade, and uh, we're sturdy. I think that's one of the reasons that we're still around. Very slowly. Yeah, we're still around. Very, very slowly. And we're withstanding, you know, um, this is the worst time for uh, pretty much everyone alive right now. Um, this is not a good time. So we tried to build a anti fragile company something that could have um we got tested during sandy yeah sandy we we made it through and um that was uh you know just two weeks this is now going on eight months uh next up um doo -doo -doo, thanks for answering that uh let's see uh yeah i have an ada flower hat it's true i do um have you tried laura uh there's a satellite laura now a days, by the way. Oh, I think this was for someone else. Yeah. For the um, the questions about the um, the two G stuff. Yeah, you might yeah. want to try Laura. Okay, let's see. Uh, shout out from the West Coast, uh, Canada. Your stuff is everywhere. Mm. Um, what soldering iron do you like? Um, I like the Hackos, and I have Metcals. They're you know it doesn't really matter. Whatever you, whatever okay. you like, they all have their own. Cons. Will the Metro Wi-Fi board be like Arduino Wi-Fi Rev 2, or will it be different AT commands? Um, this is this Metro ESP32 S2 is native Wi-Fi, so you don't use AT commands. You you call the ESP IDF, which which handles all the SSL and socket management for you. Let's see. Uh, does Adafruit, this was an older question. Do we have a replacement program for damaged goods? Yeah, if you get something shipping this damaged, email support at adafruit.com, and they replace it. Uh, let's see. Do do do. Already asked the RFID one. Um, someone's trying to make a weather beacon out of Arduino and some sensors. They plan to make it as simple as possible without any reliance on the internet. 
just pure radio Morse code on 140 megahertz, and I'm thinking should add a buzzer for people nearby to listen to the Morse code for weather data. So I yeah. guess it would weather data, and then it would boop, beep, 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 beep. beep. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Do, you, do an OLED or a, a piezo. That could be kind. That could be kind of fun. Yeah. All right, folks in uh, Canada already got their Ada boxes. Yay! So, okay. Um, let's see here. Um, what was the stuff you learned from Sandy that has helped you survive better uh, during COVID? Oh, well, um, you should plan ahead for business shutdowns in this modern age. Yeah, we so been, we've been chatting. Like, weather if, will get you. What if we get shut down for six months? Terrorist attacks will get you. So yeah. I was, back in the day, I was in New York City on 9-10, and I flew out, and then 9-11 happened. And I remember what happened then. This was before Adafruit and all this stuff. During Sandy, we had a bunch of redundancies that we set up um, for our teams. We had um, enough money to pay people when we weren't shipping orders. And, um, you know, when you live through um, increasingly intense weather, um, when there's possible terrorist attacks that can shut down an economy, um, you try to build in things. I'll give you one silly example, but it's an example. So we have a pick-and-place machine. As soon as we could afford two, we got another one. We have two air compressors. One of them will break, and we will continue to operate while the other one is getting fixed. Um, we try to have backups and redundancies. I think that is the best way to be robust. Um, have an action plan. Um, we tell our teams, get a go bag. We have remote team members that are in Colorado now, and they might have to jet because, not like on a jet, but leave because of fires there. We had team members in Washington State and California. One had to leave Washington State um, because of the fires. So I, I think, unfortunately, um, humans aren't good at seeing patterns. So we had a pandemic in 1918. Yeah. The Adafruit building that we're in was uh, being built during that time, and then it opened for being a building in 1921. So our radiators are right next to the window mm -hmm. because their solution was ventilation yeah. and wear a mask. And so um, we'll be able to get through this because we think about like what's the worst case scenarios and what what's the like black swan event that's going to get you. And when we saw this coming in January, we're like, wow, like our factory partners are telling us about it. They're sending us masks in the mail. Um, you know, we assume we would be shut down for a while. Um, and we are. And we're, you know, we're open. We're operating safe. But it was really tough in March and April. Um, New York City, the death rate was intense. Um, giving all your information to your employees, being 100% transparent at all times, mm -hmm. I think is the biggest takeaway. Yeah. But um, everyone else in the U.S. right now is going through their version of New York. And I'll tell you, from being here, um, it was terrible. Yeah. And uh, when you start to see hundreds of people dying every day in your state and then thousands, um, and the sirens don't go off, uh, are never, you know, there's just sirens all the time. They never stop. Um, it changes you. And it, uh, or it reveals uh, who you really are. So I think the biggest takeaway is uh, prepare and always be completely honest and transparent at all times. Okay. Okay. Good advice. Um, let's see if there's anything else. I think we got through um, all of them. That are the questions. Okay, great. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. That's our show for tonight. We'll see you um, next week. Tune in tomorrow. We'll next see day, you soon. Scott's got a uh, deep dive. 
We got next week is going to be the Ada Box unboxing. Is deep dive, deep dives on Friday, unless he's doing it early. Yeah, it's sometimes on Thursdays. So I don't. You I get some cat stuff going on. Yeah. Okay. So just um, check it out. Just just keep it on. Special thanks to Takara and the Adafruit Slack. Hey, um, special thanks to all the people that are helping on Discord. Really good questions tonight. Um, please pick up an Ada Box. AdaBox.com. Do it now. Um, all the people that were in the chat saying how much they enjoy it. So Think you know, uh, and you, then you also get the holiday one. Yeah. So you want to do that. So do that. Check it out. Thanks for your orders. All of us at Adafruit, thank you. Thank you, thank Three you, thank you. COVID photos. We're doing this thing. We're going to keep doing mask. this thing. Stay distant. We haven't stopped doing, we have not have missed Have some ventilation. No. No, we're doing this every week. So we're going to keep doing this. Thank you, everybody. We'll do a moment of Zener and then play some music. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody.